Welcome to the Infinite Devotion Podcast. In this episode, Dawn talks about her experience in transitioning from our old life as vanilla husband and wife into her life as a submissive. And we go really deep into her experience and the things that had to change in her life in order for her to embrace this side of herself. So we hope you enjoy it. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about you. Fun. (laughs) You are fun. We're here to talk about what it was like for you to become a submissive and some of what you learned and what had to change for you in living the way that you live now and relating to me in the way that you relate to me now versus what it was like before. And so to start out, like, What is your life like as a submissive now? And how is that different compared to what your life was like before I put that collar on you? Mm. (laughs) It's so yummy now. (laughs) Um, Wow, how do I even sum that up? It's easy. Yeah, I just said that to you yesterday. Mm-hmm. My life just feels so easy in a way that I really didn't even know was possible. And I feel free in a way that I didn't even know was possible. I didn't even know that I was... Um, kind of locked in my own prison. Locked in your own prison, how? Um, Oh, how do I sum that up? Um, Just very, um, living very unconsciously uh, with a lack of presence and awareness that I now have in my life. And why would you define that as a prison? Well, um, I didn't know how I limited everything about my life. I didn't know how the belief systems that I created um, caused me to respond, react in ways that I was just very unaware of. Um, Living very, well, like one of the books, I can't remember who said it anymore, but like living 95% of my day from an unconscious place. And which really limits the expansion and the potential of the bigness of life in so many ways. And so this is where you were kind of coming from on that night when I said, I want you to be my submissive. Right. Because not only did you not really know that much about what I meant when I said that, 
you didn't know much at all about even the concept of what was possible in terms of being able to live consciously. I had no idea. That's the hallmark of unconsciousness is not <laughs> having any idea. A plus. You, yeah. <laughs> I remember asking you a question one time. This was before, before I asked you that question. We were sitting out at dinner and I asked you just for the sake of conversation, would you rather be dumb and happy? Or understand everything and risk being miserable. I remember that conversation and I don't remember everything that I said, but I do know that I saw it from both ways, even then. Do you remember what you chose though? Dumb and happy. <laughs> <laughs> when we really had that conversation, When all was said and done, at that point where you were at in life, it was, I will choose ignorance as bliss. Well, because there's an aspect of that question that didn't get asked. And that's the life I live in now. Because I, I'm way more conscious, but I'm not miserable. Right. So. You couldn't understand any of, like, back to like, a plus, like the hallmark of unconsciousness is you don't even know what's possible. Right. But that question wasn't either or. But yeah, that was that was a very, very good conversation that night. It's amazing how some of those stick with us and we remember them so far into the future. So would you kind of say asleep at the wheel? Very. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How else might you describe what it was like to be you? Hmm. Well, here's the thing. So ignorance is bliss, right? I didn't know how unconsciously I was living. But looking back, like I would have defined our relationship as good, probably even great. Because when you're living on, well, when I was living unconsciously, I lived probably in a comparison mode. So our relationship was um, way better than the other relationships that I came in. Mm -hmm. um, the river modeled to you. Yeah, exactly. So even like the other adults in our life at the time, like I always felt like it was really, really good. Um, and I was that woman who sometimes other women would complain to about their husbands. And so it was like, wow, like I, I have an amazing husband. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and complain. I like, I just wasn't that kind of person, but I didn't feel like I even had anything to complain about, which really made friendships <laughs> challenging because I felt like ours was so great and I didn't always get to talk about how great it was. <laughs> right. Cause it would, when they've been complaining about their partners the whole time, it would be like rubbing it in their face. Yeah. But it's also where 
good is the enemy of great, right? Right. So I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I felt like I was at peace with life and I was content. So content can also lead to some boring. But I, I always look to you with a respect. I loved you deeply. I, like, I would have said even back then you led our relationship. That you were the one in charge. Again, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know how I was honestly showing up, how we were living in sometimes a reverse polarity and other times not. Like, I didn't know a lot of that. So when you reflect back on that, was I actually leading our relationship? In certain ways, yes. Certain ways. Um, probably, I don't know. If we had to just classify a percentage, 25, 75, I don't know, something like that. But I would, I would have said you were in charge because not even knowing um, that I had that desire, it was there. And then because you had yourself convinced that you, that I was in charge, you didn't see the ways that you actually took control. Yeah. Um, yes. And I'm sure you remember way more than I do, but I think the control that I took was really of, you're going to say, well, yeah, duh. Um, of my own life that infiltrated into our relationship. It was a very secondary control, um, but it still was big because you weren't necessarily aware of it either. And so there was some tiptoeing around certain things of, you know, the emotional lack of emotional awareness and just the emotional garbage that was still inside. So I would say from my perspective where you were at before I asked you to be my submissive was what you would almost across the board expect if you just told somebody a very happy unconscious suburban marriage. Yeah. couple in the suburbs, like one of the couples who still likes each other. Still went on dates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And does all the, the things and goes through all the motions. And has it pretty good by all comparative standards. Right. With um, infrequent sex. Mm-hmm. Contrast that to now. Wow. <laughs> What's it like now 
today as a submissive, as mine. I already said it's so yummy. <laughs> um, wow, how do I even summarize that? I feel so loved, cherished, adored, taken care of, protected, provided for. in such deep devotional ways and i feel like my ability to love cherish adore and be devoted to you is like completely wide open and again before i would have said like yes i love you deeply i didn't know there were things in the way of um, the depths of what's actually possible and the aliveness and eros that I feel in my body, the passion that can just, the, the depths of the desire and the passion in, like, in, yes, the sexual aspect, but also that's the eros and the aliveness that comes out of that and like I feel it it's big it's exciting but also it's a contentment and a peace so it's a combination really of contentment and excitement yeah and, and living with all of those all at once like the capacity to feel the bigness of life is just something I didn't even know I didn't experience. So what has had to develop in you? What is, what's had to change inside of Dawn in order to be able to be living this this life as my submissive in the way that I've set this relationship up to be mine in this way what has it required of you I had to find myself I had to connect with who I truly was and not the dawn I thought I was. That comes back to something that we talked a lot about in the month while you were trying to determine whether you were going to put that collar on and right. become my submissive, which right. was, we had several long conversations about this, that you had a fear of losing yourself. Yeah, I specifically remember saying I didn't want to, want to become a doormat. I didn't want to be walked over. I didn't want to feel less than. I didn't want to feel minimized. <laughs> and what I didn't realize is I did all those things to myself. You My did whole them to life. Yourself? What? You did them to yourself? Yes. In what ways? I self-abandoned. 
I rejected myself. I gave myself away. And I didn't even realize it. I was a doormat to myself. Go a little deeper into that. Like, what did, what does that mean to have been a doormat to yourself? Um, that's the definition of unconscious living right there, isn't it? Um, I grew up in religion and one common theme I would say was put others before yourself, self-sacrifice. And so what does that look like? It's, oh, I'll do what they want instead of what I want. I will give to the poor because they need it more than I need it myself. I will go to church every Sunday because that's what's expected of me, even if I feel like I'm tired and I need some sleep. Those little things in so many areas of my life, I grew up unconsciously, very disconnected to even having a sense of individuality, a sense of self. And I don't know where that all came from. There's lots of different things that can create that. But looking back over my life, I lived for other people. I lived for a perfection, a standard of living that would get me in heaven. I lived by a good girl mentality. I didn't want to be bad. I didn't want to get in trouble. So... I kind of forgot your question already. How you became a doormat to yourself. Yeah, so that theme of like put others before yourself led to also um, that disconnection of self. Right, and because you're putting yourself then last. behind others. Right. The last one that you let yourself take care of. So every time I would say you're more important than me, I told myself no. And so I was cultivating this relationship with myself saying, you don't matter. You're not worthy of even what you want. So all of those negative beliefs just kept building and building and building and playing out my life. And guess what? It led me to try even harder. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it led me to make some really silly decisions. <laughs> it, didn't, and so, it didn't work so well. You <laughs> just figured you must need to do more of it. That's like, mm-hmm. yeah, very unconsciously, but that's it, it. It's building the walls of protection, like trying to, um, without re- recognizing, seeking the love that I craved um, because I didn't feel it for myself. So when you had this fear of losing yourself, what, in hindsight, what was that fear really? Because I think we both see 
now that there really never was a risk of losing anything. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever really looked at that question because I can speak to the opposite side of it. But what did I fear? Well, I guess fear is coming from the mind. It's coming from the ego. And so it was probably a fear of actually finding myself. <laughs> um, turned backwards of because it, the ego was there to protect me. Or a fear of realizing that you actually didn't even know who the hell you were. Exactly. Another great way of saying it. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, there's almost always some kind of excitement attached to fear. Yeah, so that's probably where they're like, oh my gosh, I'd actually find out who I am. So, do you remember what I told you in response to your fear of losing yourself? Um, I remember you saying, promising that that wouldn't happen. And that you can't lose something if it's real. Right. Because if you lose something, it actually wasn't real in the first place. And what I actually lost was the identities of who I thought I was, who I was being for everyone else, who I was trying to be for myself, that ideal perfect that was unattainable, that played out in so many different areas of my life. I lost the limiting belief systems. Now, granted, some of that work, work if you will, isn't over. Like, there's I don't plenty think of it ever ends. right. There's plenty of ways to recognize the the belief patterns that play out in your life. So that's an ongoing journey. But um, I feel like I lost a big piece of the foundation that. I had built my life on that wasn't actually me and wasn't serving me either. And so, yeah, I lost all of who I thought I was and actually have connected to the real Dawn, the real me. What else had to change in you? Well, I had to let go of the ways that I tried to control and manipulate life. And that was at a very, like, again, lack of awareness, because I wouldn't have said I tried to control life in any way. <laughs> and so I had to do a lot of self-reflection and, and turn the mirror on myself with um, a lot of humility and compassion and patience and grace and forgiveness. Because that made you look at some things you didn't want to look at. Yeah, I had to admit to myself that I was wrong. And I did a lot of grieving in a lot of different areas of life. I can still feel you, the emotion, in just hearing you say that. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I got to a point where I felt like 
I felt like my whole life was a lie. I didn't even know who I was at a certain point. Like, really? Done. But having your support through all of that was incredibly amazing. Like, I... It was a lot, but you were always there. And that's really what I believe dominance is. Is first, I had to be able to be strong enough to sit with you and all of that, even the parts of it that had to do with me. Yep. Because we don't get to come into these relationships and remodel an entire relationship on the fly no. and pretend like the first 10 years didn't happen. Yeah. You know, we were, we were married for eight years and together for 10 at this point. And so we were both trying to remodel ourselves and our relationship all at the same time without like destroying it yes and this was a little ways into the journey of submission after you had asked me this didn't all come immediately it's been ongoing another thing that i saw that really had to grow and change for you was acting out of obligation and letting go of doing really anything because you thought you were supposed to or you should. Yeah, well, that goes back to what I just said before about the self-sacrifice. Like, obligation came right out of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of see them as the same thing, I guess. Because if I'm doing something because I think someone else expects it, I'm saying yes to them and no to myself. I'm being my own doormat. So that was a big area of, and this was a little ways in, I want to say a couple years into being near submissive, where I had to come face to face with recognizing where I was even just mindlessly following you. Even though none of it was quote unquote bad, it was just a big recognizing that um, I wasn't consciously doing it. And so what really I remember stood out to me was just that on this journey of um, finding myself, I came head to head with needing to spend more time alone than I'd ever needed before in my past. Like I would distract myself with something to do with people, with you name it, right? Um, and so I, I recognize that I need to have a little bit of time to myself just to have some space. And what really started to evolve in that was me learning that I wasn't even asking you for that. I was just giving you all of my time and my attention that wasn't spoken for someone else 
somewhere else or with someone else. And so that was a huge awareness piece for me in my ability to speak up, which I know it didn't probably come out very pretty back then, which is fine. <laughs> um, because you were always supportive of that. You were like, of course, yes, like, let's do that. You didn't see the, that I needed it and wasn't speaking up for it because I didn't either. I, I kind of just hid that even from myself. And so that was a, that w that's a piece of my journey that I'll never forget because it probably was the first time where I, I think came head to head with acting out of obligation, which then led to being able to bring awareness to all the other areas of my life where I said yes to someone else and no to myself when that's not how I wanted to be. And I will add this, that was hard. That felt hard because all of my life I gave myself away to people who were living very unconsciously too <laughs> in their own ways, but that, that's when it doesn't feel good. And so when you can bring consciousness to this and awareness and the full yes to the same thing that you would have asked of me, it feels good in my body versus feeling like I'm abandoning myself, which feels yucky. And that all really points at this concept that I've talked a lot about, which is selfish submission. Yes. When I say selfish submission, a lot of the reactions that I get are, oh yeah, I don't want to be a selfish submissive because selfish is bad. Like those two words are equated. Like it's an, it's an automatic evil. That, that goes back to another belief system that I created out of religion and my life experience that selfishness was bad. And so how has, how have, has submission helped you reframe selfishness in a way that is empowering for you? Well, if I don't have a sense of myself, if I don't, if I'm not, let's see if this comes, how's how this comes out. If I'm not aware of my own needs and desires and a, a, a willingness to give a full yes to something or some something someone asks of me if i don't if i'm not having that awareness like i'm giving myself away and in order to fully give of myself i have to have that sense of self and so Again, it comes back to, for me, just the words aren't really coming to me all that great right now, but um, I have to know myself. I have to be connected to self, even to give of myself, period. And in order to 
be connected to yourself. You have to be willing to look out for yourself and put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And that's where what I've taught you about what I not just desire from you, but expect of you is that you are going to listen to what feels right to you right. and follow that. And that will bring you head to head sometimes with like, I want to be able to do this thing. And it also doesn't feel good to me right now. Right. And so the selfless submission would be like, don't listen to your, your inner voice telling you, no, do what you're told. Right. But that's not a type of submission that I've ever been willing to accept because I don't want it if it doesn't feel right and real to you. And so that's why I've, I've expected this level of you looking out for your own self-interest. Because if you want to want something and you don't, well, then I can help you look at why, like, where's the, there's obviously some sort of an internal blockage there. Right. And it was also a point where I had to start, like, seeing myself, well, I didn't have to start. I did start seeing my own worth and my own value, which is something you always spoke into me. But I couldn't even let that in, nor did it really matter what you said because I didn't feel it myself. So if I don't feel it myself, it's really only one of those little, okay, yeah, great, thank you. Um, It's a rejection of even what you see in me because I couldn't see it in myself. How did submission help you see it? Well, you, you were the only person in my life where I, I came to a point. Um, I know I've shared this plenty of times, but I love this. It's the, um, one day before all of, I I guess I don't even know at what point I listened to that Tony Robbins podcast and the question was whose love did you crave the most moms or dads and I was walking on the treadmill at the gym and I was like just stunned by that question like oh my gosh I don't even know how to answer it maybe that was my perfectionism but (laughs) (laughs) what's the right answer what's the right answer (laughs) um no the truth of that was I sat with that and it was on my way home driving from the gym and it hit me. I just craved the love of my mom and my dad and I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it as a kid. I didn't feel it as a little girl. And the funny thing is like, I always knew my parents loved me. Like I know they loved me in my head. I knew it. It was knowledge. I knew it. Like I could identify if you said, how do you know your parents love you? I could identify ways. Um, and then after that, it was like, holy shit. The only person whose love I have honestly felt was yours. And, and the other thing that I would hear from you was, I want you to be yourself. Like, you spoke to me in ways that nobody else had, ever. 
you showed me just so many pieces of life, but like I experienced feelings inside of me that I had never experienced because of anybody else. And side note, <laughs> I do think that um, it's not untypical for a child to like not necessarily feel <laughs> love as a child. Like that seems to be part of this human experience where we get to come into actually feeling it for real. Um, but anyway, this like, you telling me, like, I want you to be more of yourself. And so as you walked me down this journey and as I started to just see things about my life for what they were and have emotions, like, surface, I, I just started to recognize the ways that I wasn't myself. And you would tell me, like, I see you. And I'd always be like, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> in my mind, I'd be yeah. like, I know. Like, I, I, I hear you say that. And so I'd... The way you said it and the look in your eye when you said it, I knew there was something deeper in me that you connected to, that you saw from the very start. And I really didn't know how to make sense of that, but there was just this like trusting in my body of that. It wasn't a deflection, but there was you were speaking some truth into me that, like I said, I'd never experienced before. One of the challenges that I faced when I saw this big love, this big heart that was inside of you, and then I saw how narrowly you allowed that big love to be expressed. Yeah was that I craved the experience of the bigness of your love that I had seen in, in spurts and I had seen you know, early in our relationship when the new relationship energy was firing on all cylinders <laughs> and like the programming couldn't keep had, me off of you. Yeah, I couldn't keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> and the programming hadn't kicked in around what does love mean and what is like, what, what is how am I supposed and... to relate and be when I'm in a committed relationship? Like right. before that kicked in, I saw this like joy for life in you. I remember thinking that like this woman has so much joy for being alive. You drew that out of me. It was... I say it was beautiful because it, it kind of got dampened for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, a big part of my leading us into this kind of relationship was really, I knew that somehow or another for me to be able to feel that bigness of your love again, that had been so clamped down, 
that there were things that needed to get blasted away, things that had taken precedent over the actual love between us. Yeah. That needed to be cleared out of the way in order for me to be able to experience all of you. Right. And I didn't even know what all of that was. You didn't either. Like there were no. things that were complete, that were so suppressed and buried and dissociated that you didn't even, re memories you didn't even remember. Right. But from my side, you agreeing to be submissive to me also meant agreeing not to be submissive to others right and i always aimed to use the authority the power the dominance that you granted me in this relationship to make your life better to help you be more authentic so that i could experience all of the real you and that's how i always defined submission was like complete submission to the connection between us and having that supersede all of the programming and all of the other things that maybe got in the way of real, true, authentic, conscious relating. Yeah, and that was one thing, one important thing that I remember from our initial, <laughs> my 30 days of contemplating of being your submission submission i'm trying to say submission and sub submissive all at the same time <laughs> talking is hard sometimes sometimes um you really pointed out to me that which i didn't argue with because i felt this like desire in me to be led without even using those words before that's just been there i want to be taken care of i don't want to have to be in charge and so <laughs> I had to be in charge in a lot of ways before us. And so you did point out how my pattern was looking for any outside authority to, to follow. Like essentially I was a, allowing anything and everyone practically to be my dom. Like, okay, so yes, I had some discernment. Yes, I did. Sometimes. Sometimes, exactly. <laughs> but then that carried on. And when I look at all of the different pieces, like the fitness and, nut and the nutrition, the religion, like all of those really were dominance to me. They were like, it's the authority that I followed and in fitness and nutrition that just kind of changed when I was just constantly seeking new better what's the perfect way you know with that whole perfectionism thing guiding all of that um, but that was a big piece of like recognizing that all of my life was a lie like that's intertwined right in there is 
is the self-abandonment, the giving away, like someone else has got to know better for me than I know myself. Yeah, and the way that I framed that to you in those in those early conversations was you have actually always been a submissive. Yep. You've just been submissive to anyone who acted like they knew what they were talking about. Yep. And you would even be submissive to your own self at times where you would play both sides of the slash where you would dumb yourself into submission and then resent yourself for doing it. <laughs> Talk about a mind fuck and like cognitive dissonance, like OMG. <laughs> you, you were, you were really hard on yourself. And so what had to change for you or what did change for you in terms of assertiveness as a result of putting yeah. that collar on? That is, that is still an ongoing journey. But I will say that in our relationship, I feel like I have gained the assertiveness I need. But I, I would... I would say from my side, it's like leaning into the confidence of my expression and my feeling and giving that to you. Um, the assertiveness elsewhere still is an ongoing journey because I'm honestly not in a lot of situations where that needs to come forth. And so I don't get to practice and lean into that very frequently or flex that muscle, if you will. Um, because all of this is like the first step is awareness, right? That I need to have that. And so then it's actively integrating it and using it. And that builds confidence and all of that. And so being able to accept anything about myself and then be able to share it with you, like I have come so far with even detaching from the responsibility of anything about how you receive it, what you do with it, controlling the outcome, all of that. Let's go a little bit deeper into that. You, before, would very, very much try to control what you said, how you said it to me, in order to control the way that I received it and the way that I felt. Yep. And a lot of that really does, did and does continue to fall on me because I trained you in some ways unconsciously by the way that I would react and get my feelings hurt by things that you would say that had no intention of hurting my feelings, which just made it harder and harder and harder for you to figure out how to say something to me without triggering me. Let's be real. That went both ways. It, I own my side of it. It, it did. <laughs> but for you, as I've stopped punishing you for just speaking up and sharing how you're actually feeling, 
punishing you, meaning like verbally attacking you or collapsing and going into my own self-loathing because I took it personally. As I've stopped doing that to you, what has, what's had to change in you then to be able to relearn the ability to express yourself freely? Just really being able to connect with, like bring presence to the moment and my emotional experience of the moment and be willing to share that be willing to ruin the moment <laughs> if it if it brings forth kind of the wrath and fury of the feminine mm -hmm. um that's really not frequent but i have to be willing to speak up speak up and and share that when necessary and that's that's an ongoing journey again because i i don't i haven't had to flex that muscle if you will i gotta come up with a different expression there um i haven't had to do that very frequently but i know i will i i, I have a trust in myself that's a um that that was a huge piece <laughs> Of my journey that um, that was a huge intuition piece earlier on of when I felt like I was losing trust in you all of a sudden my ego was like uh, poking like this this was one of those moments I shared this before where it was like a left and a right and it was the left of like you don't trust him you don't trust him and it's like you don't trust yourself and I was like holy shit, I don't. Um, so rebuilding self-trust. Yeah. Yep. Because, again, this goes back to the self-abandonment, the doormat, mm -hmm. like disconnection of self. I didn't trust myself ever. Like looking back at my life, I can explain that in so many different ways with different experiences. So I trust myself to speak up even in the uncomfortable moments. Um, and again, it, it might not come out all pretty, but that's, it doesn't have to. And you continuously remind me that you want all of me, the bigness too. And, um, it's, it's given me permission to grow into my own bigness of my own expression, of my own desires, of my own receptivity like my own ability to express and give like all of that was so clamped down and so all of these different pieces i've started to become aware of it's like it's like i'm growing <laughs> in I, like i feel this expansion continuously happening in who i am and my comfort of being who I am, of being the bigness. That comes back to what I, you said I would always tell you is I want you to be yourself. Yeah. And you didn't know who yourself was, so how could you ever be it? I'm still learning. But that's what you're feeling now. Yeah. Like in my 
in what I see you growing through is getting to know yourself and really falling in love with yourself in the way that I've always loved you. Yes. You are getting to actually love the version of you that I've always loved. And I have, I seriously have moments now because you've said this to me so many times, like, I want you to love yourself like I love you. And I have moments where I'm like, finally, finally feeling love for myself. And I remember a point on this journey where I would hear, and, and before, but it was like, just love yourself. Just love yourself. And it was like, yeah, sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just love yourself. Flip <laughs> it on like a light switch. Um, but I was like, all right, I, I trust that I'm, I'm going to figure that one out. <laughs> I like someday I know that this is going to happen. And am I human? Do I still look at my flaws sometimes? Yes, but I bring those to you and like you remind me of actually who I am. And so, yes, I can say that I've connected with a love inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And what's beautiful about that is when I can actually feel again this nobody can exactly tell you what this experience is like but when i can like feel connected to the love that's just there inside of me because i am i like it just it feels so big in a way that i can't hold it in like it has to come out and that's been the beautiful part of leaning into like pushing my edges around expression like i remember you telling me a long time ago like words of affirmation is your love language i know that you need more words you need more words and that was always hard for me for one reason it felt like mundane to say the same things over and over and now <laughs> i laugh at myself because i i feel like i say the same things over and over but it's because they're so real I have so much gratitude. I have so much love. I have so much admiration. And it just, now it has to come out of my mouth. Like I can't hold it in. And, and the beautiful thing there too is like, when I, like if I hug you or I'm with you and I, like I feel it in my body, it has to come out of my mouth. Whereas before, I would kind of know it in my head and feel it just a little bit. And I wouldn't say it. And you lost out on so many years of what, who and what you actually were to me and how I felt about you because it just couldn't come out of my mouth. Right, because you couldn't share it. But again, I didn't even, I, I didn't have awareness. I knew what I knew inside of my head and I had the experience. But I didn't know how I minimized it and how I hurt your experience of life, your experience of me, your experience of us together in that way by just holding, like, just not saying it. When you say not saying it. I mean, like, the gratitude and the love and the admiration and 
all of what I feel for you and the desire and the passion and, you know, obviously all of those things are so much bigger now because as I've connected with myself and that, that being inside of me, it has allowed them to grow. I've had to also, side note, maybe we'll do a separate, this might come with a separate podcast, but also I've had to connect with the emotional experience of life and accept all emotions. Mm -hmm. The bigness of anger, the bigness of grief, the bigness of desire, the bigness of joy, the bigness of happy, all of those, you know, even like allowing hatred and resentment and anger to surface from the past and letting them be what they are. So I've had to grow in my comfort of feeling them and my capacity to feel and express. I remember this being something that I, I had my own like really deep realization and knowing around your emotions <laughs> and how, how much I had tried to not let you feel or want you to feel certain ones and want you to feel other ones. And this just understanding that came through me that I didn't even know where it came from was like, was seeing that all of your emotions are love because you are love. Yeah. And that that was a huge piece for me. Well, because it the way I saw it play out was you now had permission from me to feel all of your feelings and that they were all okay because I saw them all as love. Because if you were love and you were sharing that feeling with me by being anger angry, by being sad, by grieving, whatever it was, when you were sharing that with me if you, if i believe that you are love and you are sharing your authentic experience of the moment with me that i'm you are loving me mm -hmm. even if you were mad at me because of something that i did you being mad at me is loving me and i experienced you really begin to crack open emotionally a lot when when I made that real yeah and the key word there was permission and that's what I felt it was like oh wow because there's something about when I hear something from you and I feel like this is a felt sense in my being in my soul about our connection that's been beautifully there from the very start and it's almost as if you, like the words I would say to it now is you're speaking this direct truth consciousness into me. It hits something in me that like can't hide anymore. And it like gives this like, oh, this relief of, wow, now I can be more of me. Now I can 
feel without even putting those words to it. It's a felt sense. And it didn't mean it was always easy to continually express some of them, especially when I had to share my frustration with you from the past. But what was beautiful in that is knowing that you would receive it, that you would receive it as my love. Because what I feel there is if I'm willing to, if, if we're together, like we're in this thing and we say we love each other and I share with you, you hurt me or this is what I felt. That is me opening my heart and sharing my actual emotional experience with you. So yes, how is that not love? Because I could hold it in and not even open my heart to you, but then I'm also going to limit the depths of all of the bigness of the happiness, the joy, the love, the desire, all at the same time. So I have to be willing to be vulnerable and open my heart to you with all of it. And the only reason, like, we judge these emotions, again, goes back to our beliefs that we create about them, them being good, them being bad. Girls should feel, boys shouldn't. Or girls, boys shouldn't cry, girls should, you know. A lot of that stuff there. One of the things that's really interesting to me in, in watching you grow in your expression and your submission has been the way that you've almost re-understood what submission means. Um, I would say actually understand for the first time mm -hmm. with consciousness and realness. Because there's a, and this is kind of the last point I want to make in this is, there's a real belief when you don't, when you have never been loved and taken care of by someone who values your natural submissive nature. Mm -hmm. You think that submission means obedience yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. Just do as you're told and don't, you don't get to care about your experience like your experience of it doesn't matter <laughs> i'm pretty sure i remember at one point saying i can't just sh sit down and shut up <laughs> mm -hmm. i remember exactly where we were when you said that <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is like that's what i did for mm -hmm. most of my life <laughs> that's exactly what i thought when you said that yeah. but you cracked it open mm-hmm But coming to a new understanding that real submission is about being authentic to yourself. Yeah. It is a, it's an expression of a willingness to follow by choice, not by force and not by self-abandonment. Mm-hmm. 
but a discerning choice to say, I will sit down and shut up if you tell me to, because I trust you to take care of me. Right. And that's what I've seen really come out in you is the ability to know where do I follow and where do I not, instead of just indiscriminately following. Yeah, and I would say that um, the, the piece that I really didn't even speak directly on, I referenced the feeling it in my body, is just really coming home to connect with my body, but the sexual essence of who I am in my body. And that um, is a whole other topic. But that is how... I can tap into that deep discernment of feeling who and what is deserving of my submission, which <laughs> I, I do want to speak to one other thing because this came up before, um, you know, on this journey, when I got to the point of feeling some resentment building for you because I wasn't speaking up for myself. I remember recognizing somewhere in that time frame, and I think we had a couple, two, three months where um, I started saying, like, I need to own this for myself. And I remember feeling you get really worried, like, is she going to like drop this? And I always said like this, I know this is what I want, but I knew that there was a like transition that I had to come into to fully own it consciously for myself. And all of the rest of what I've talked about has come after I, made that conscious choice because I recognized some mindlessness. So nothing changed about us. But wow, did it deepen in me because I could actually connect with my authenticity, the truth of who I am. That was a part of when you learned to listen to and honor your own no. Yes. And build that trust. For yourself yeah all of these things are connected because when you when you learned really how to say no to me even if you wanted to say yes but it didn't feel like a yes mm -hmm. when you learned how to say no you learned to trust yourself mm -hmm. even if it was a no not right now a no not yet or no not until we like not until i feel better about it whatever right and so you had like you had this period that you went through and this was a couple summers ago mm -hmm. where it was, it was almost as if anything that I tried to do to lead, there was like this auto reject that was happening. <laughs> and I think this is a valuable you know, thing to share here. It's kind of a, a place to end, but there was this period of time where you're wearing my collar it was actually like 
fairly early on when we were starting to share this part of our relationship online and we'd started to talk about how like how great this has gotten for us and how much it was evolving and then we went into this period where it felt like you just noped almost anything I would say like we're gonna go like on a walk and you would nope it and like there was there was almost a, a rejection like a carte blanche rejection of my leadership for a while that you had to go through because you had to learn for yourself that you could say no. Yeah. Even to me. Yep. And the, the result of building that trust has been your ability to follow me so much more deeply now because you know you can say no and you will yeah if it doesn't feel right to you yeah and i can follow with ease and confidence and trust in myself and trust in you too submission has been quite the journey of growth and empowerment for you yes oh yes yes it has like Again, I've said this numerous times, but I didn't even know that what I get to experience and feel on a daily basis with you and in all of life, I didn't even know it was possible. And like, I continuously say, our lives are so great. Our lives are so great. And it keeps getting even better. Like, it, I can, I'm continuously impressed by life, by you. And I feel incredibly lucky to be yours. I feel lucky to have you as mine. Thank you, sir.